when you talk about expectations, we're talking about expectations that are beliefs that spring from a person's thought process when they're examining the evidence. In other words, expectations come from something. In other words, there's some evidence. Either you've seen something, you've heard something, you're reflecting on something, and there is some evidence there that causes you to expect. But the thing about expectations is this. Expectations based on human assumptions can cause trouble. Come on. But expectations based on God's word can cause hope and faith. Come on now. And so what we're talking about this morning are biblical expectations, not expectations based on man and environment. Come on. You know, I've heard this said. I've heard it said that it's a lot easier when you just simply don't expect anything or you just lower your expectations because if you don't have any expectations or you have low expectations, you're not going to be disappointed. How many would love to go through life and just not be disappointed? Come on. Well, some say that if you just lower your expectations, you won't be disappointed. That's what they say. But the problem with that is that if you expect nothing, usually you'll get nothing. And whatever you do get, you won't be fulfilled with that. Come on. How many know when you have high expectations and your expectations are either met or exceeded, your joy is full? Come on. And so I believe the reason that we're inclined to lower our expectations is because we so often disappoint each other. But I don't believe the answer is to just simply give up and not expect anything. I believe the answer is to refocus our expectations, not on things and not on people, but on him who is unable to disappoint. Come on, somebody. We must refocus. You see, our expectations are typically in things and events. When our expectations should be in a person, the one who is life to us. And you think about life. You know, this passage of Scripture and many places in the Bible, they don't just say that Jesus gives life or that he has life, but it says that he is life. Come on. The word of life that was manifested to us. And when we talk about life, we're not just talking about a life, a person. We're talking about eternal life. And so when Jesus was manifested to us, eternal life was manifested to us. This is the difference between Christianity and every other religion. Come on. See, in every other religion, you have a prophet or a teacher, or an orator that wants to point you the way to eternal life, wants to point the way, the path. There are things that you need to do to attain eternal life. They want to tell you what you need to do, how you need to walk. You do these things, and you'll find enlightenment. You do these ten things, and you act this way, and you'll get there. But Jesus doesn't come and tell us 
to do anything before he says, I am the way. If you want eternal life, come to me. Before he says, treat people nicely. Before he says, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Before he says, don't lie, steal, cheat. Before he says, give. Before he says any of those things, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. If anyone wants to come to the Father, he must come by me. And if you go a different way, you're a thief and a robber. And you're one who's trying to sneak in if you don't come by me. He doesn't point you in a direction. He points you to himself. Come on, somebody. Come to me. You can't do it on your own. To know him is to know eternal life. Not do these things and you'll have eternal life. And so it begins and ends with Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is the alpha and the omega. He is the beginning and the end. Come on. John 17, 3 says this, and this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. This is, et what's eternal life? Eternal life is attaining something. No, eternal life is that they may know you. The Amplified puts it this way. It says, and this is eternal life. It means to know, to perceive, to recognize, to become acquainted with, and to understand you, the only true and real God. And likewise, to know him, Jesus, as the Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah whom you have sent. In other words, eternal life is a living, breathing being. And his name is Jesus. I don't know what you expect this Christmas season. John 6, 57 says this, As the living Father sent me, I live because of the Father. So he who feeds on me, the King James, I believe, says, He who eats my flesh. That's why many turned away from him in John chapter 6. But he said, He who feeds on me will live because of me. Live is referring to eternal life. Because of me. Romans 6.11. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And you're familiar with Romans 6.23, even if you don't know it. You are familiar with it. Because it says this, the wages of sin is what? But the gift of God is eternal life. Now let me just say something here. A lot of times when folks quote this scripture, they'll stop right there. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And I want to tell you this morning that if you stop there, your theology is a little flawed, my brother and sister. Because the Bible doesn't say, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life, period. The Bible says the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So you must understand that the gift of God is not eternal life. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. I don't know if you get that this morning, but you can't get it without him. There's no other way to eternal life 
than through Jesus. And you know, it cracks me up. I talk to people and they, 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 they say that, you know, doctrine isn't really that important. Doctrine doesn't matter at all. I mean, listen, you believe that the way to eternal life is through Jesus. And I believe that if you're a good person, uh, then you can gain eternal life. And we'll get to the same place together. You know, I listen to the teachings of uh, this one or that one, and uh, you listen to the teachings of Jesus, and look, they're similar, and uh, you follow his teachings, and I'll follow her teachings, and we'll get to the same place together. But the problem with that is that it is a doctrine in itself because it says I can gain salvation by works. That's a doctrine. Come on. We must step back and see the bigger picture. <laughs> I was thinking about this story of this woman sitting in her car, minding her own business, and all of a sudden a man comes up to the car and yanks the door open and grabs her aggressively and pulls her from the car. And if you see that part of the scene, you'll think, what is this man about? Is he about to abuse her, kidnap her? What's going on? But as the camera pulls back, you'll see that the back end of the car is on fire. And it's about to blow up, and she didn't know it. We must see the bigger picture. God has the bigger picture. I don't know what you expect this Christmas season. What did the Jewish people expect of the coming Messiah? What do you expect as we celebrate Christmas and we reflect on the birth of Christ? Well, I just want to share with you a few things, three things this morning that the coming of the Messiah brought to us. And I'd like for you to compare them this morning, if you would, with your own expectations during the Christmas season. Maybe you're a person that doesn't expect anything. You just go through it. It's just another season of the year. It's just another day. It doesn't really matter. First thing that we should expect that manifested that the Christmas season mean what does Christmas mean? First thing is that we have salvation by grace. Ephesians 2.8, for by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Another version says, because of his kindness, you have been saved through trusting Christ. And even trusting is not of yourselves, it is a gift. The fact that you can trust God is a gift that God granted you. He didn't have to grant that you would be able to trust him. Come on. It, the human race didn't look around one day and evaluate our situation and say, you know what? We're in dire straits. We're in trouble. We need, let's get together. Let's have a summit. Let's get the world leaders together and decide what we can do about this. They didn't get together and say, you know what? We're in need of a savior. We need to get together and we need to pray and petition God that he would send a savior because we're lost. They didn't do that. They weren't able to do that. The Bible says while we were yet sinners, Christ died on a cross for us. When we didn't realize that we needed a savior, he died on a cross. You got to understand that before the foundation of the world, come on now, a lamb was slain. He already knew and already took care of it. So what do you expect 
I know what we should expect. Salvation by grace, not just to be saved, not to find a way, but to find a person. Salvation manifests himself to us when Christ was born. The second thing, fellowship with God. Verse 3 of 1 John says, Truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. He granted us fellowship with him by wrapping himself in flesh and manifesting to the earth, to you and I. You ever tried to look at the sun? You can't do it for any period of time. It will blind you. At very least, it will damage your retina. Come on. We're not able to do it. If you really want to see the glory of the sun, you have to look at it through a filter. There was just a time when we had an eclipse not too long ago, earlier this year, and we had to have special glasses. There was a filter that we had to look, to look through, to look at the sun. I compare God to that because if you really want to see the glory of God, we're not able to look directly at him, but he sent a filter. He sent a way for us to look at him. Come on. When, when Christ, what does, it, what does Christmas mean? It means we can have fellowship with him because we weren't able to do it before Jesus manifest himself. We had no filter. Come on. No sin and no flesh shall see God. But Christ manifest himself. See, it's not enough. For, think about this. It's not enough for God to be an all-powerful, all-knowing being that the universe has to bow to. No. If God wanted that, he would have never come and give his, given himself on the cross. He would still relate to us as a booming voice in the sky or a burning bush. Come on. Or thunder. But no, it wasn't enough for him. God wanted relationship with us. God wanted fellowship with us. He wanted to know you in a very personable way. That's why he came. That's what Christmas means. And the third thing is this, that your joy can be full. Jesus said the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy but I I didn't send someone think about it I didn't send someone else but I came that they that you might have life and that more abundantly come on Christ came that your joy would be full he doesn't want you to live a terrible downhearted depressing life come on said, I don't want my people to do that. First, I'm going to bring salvation to them, and then I want to have fellowship with them, and then I want their joy to be full. I want them to be fulfilled in life. Come on. I want them to live a purposed life, purpose-filled life, purposeful life, for them to know that their life means something. It is of value to me. When you look at the way people are living you quickly realize that joy is lacking in their lives. Come on. 
It's because people look to things instead of the source of those things. Come on. Nothing wrong with things. But remember Matthew 6.33. But seek ye what? First, the kingdom of God and his righteousness and so God is not opposed to things, but when you just look to the things for fulfillment, you'll never get there. God said, look to me. I have the things. I made the things. I made the things for you. But first you must look to me. People look to all kinds of things, obvious things, money and wealth. Money and wealth. Soon they find out that money itself leads them to a never-ending cycle of wanting more. Come on. The more money I get, the more I need or think I need. The more money I get, the more I want. More money, more problems. Come on. But when you go to the one that created the dinero, come on. He'll make sure you have everything that you need and more because he has an endless supply. I believe we used to quote a scripture growing up, my God has cattle on a thousand hills. Come on. He has an endless supply. People look to money and wealth. People look to other people. People look to their children to fulfill their lives. Come on. They look to others. They look to their spouse. They look to their friends to fulfill their lives. And we know that life is about others and it's about putting others first. We know it's about people, but not before God. It's not about people before God. Come on. Because when we seek joy in people, we are eventually disappointed, aren't we? Come on. Because people disappoint each other. I'm not speaking negative. I'm just telling you that we disappoint each other because we're not perfect. I'm not going to do everything, every moment of every day that pleases you. There may be a moment when you say, boy, you really disappointed me, Mike. And you know what? I'll look at you and say, boy, there's a moment you disappointed me as well. But I love you anyway. Come on. God looks at us and says, boy, you really disappointed me. But I have set my love upon you, and there's nothing you can do about it. It is only us in our relationship with God where we can never say, God, you really disappointed me. If we do, we just lack understanding. Come on. And then people look for the respect of people. They look for legacy to satisfy them, to give them joy. People seek acceptance and respect of the masses only to find out that people often respect what you do and not who you are. And when you don't do something that they respect, you don't have their respect. Come on. And so we're looking to be fulfilled from others, from money and from people and from respect and from all of these things and we need to realize that only God who created you can tell you how to get joy <laughs> and he has done that in his word because joy comes from reconciling with God but seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness it is in him and him alone that we find our joy 
So we look around and we say, what does Christmas mean? Does it mean shopping? Well, it's a part of it. Does it mean getting together with family? Well, that's a part of it. Does it mean a Christmas ham? I hope so. That's a part of it. For most of you, it probably means pumpkin pie. For me, a little sweet potato pie. Come on, it's all right. But what does it mean? Does it mean giving gifts to each other? Remember the scenario we talked about? I would like for you to keep that on your mind this Christmas season. Last week, we talked about what if there was a birthday party for you and everyone showed up at your birthday party and they were all having a good time and laughing and drinking and do whatever people do at parties and you were over in the corner and no one spoke to you at all. How would that make you feel? Why don't we keep that scenario in mind as we give each other gifts this Christmas season, as we meet with family this Christmas season? See, it takes more than just saying Jesus is the reason for the season because now that's a cliche. Come on. But what about our heart? Just like any river that forgets its source, it will dry up. So also any person that is cut off or alienated from God. Spirit of God in man is the giver of joy, that your joy may be full. If he is not in you, no matter how you want to fake it, you will not have joy. Why can I say that with such confidence? Because I read Galatians 5.22 and I realize, now you remember that joy is actually a fruit of the Spirit. No tree, no fruit. Fruit only comes from the tree. And if joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit, no spirit, come on, no fruit, no joy. So it is only in God that you can get joy. Only in God. What is it that you are expecting this Christmas season? Next week, I want to conclude this series with examining how God, who is love, crossed the infinite barrier to reconcile himself to you, how love wrapped himself in flesh and crossed the infinite barrier. I'm going to get to that next week. But listen, salvation, fellowship, joy are only a few of the benefits that our loving Heavenly Father affords us. These we can expect from God. He has already delivered. And so the question remains for you this morning, what are you expecting this Christmas season?